Good, good morning everyone and welcome to Revelation Hour. Welcome to another show. Um, Saturday morning, 10 a.m., 10.01. We're one minute late. I think that's because we'll be having a whole night prayer. That's probably what it is. Uh, but that's okay. 10 a.m., 10.01. My wife's pointing out. No, it's 10 o'clock. I said, no, it's 10.01, I think. How are you? Okay. Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Why don't we open up in prayer, first of all? Father, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you so much for another day. Father, it is truly through you that we live and we move and we have our being. We give you thanks, Father, for the ability that you have given us to be able to breathe and to be able to have another day. So, Father, we just give you thanks. We give you praise this day because you are worthy. You are worthy of all our praises as we continue to look to you, keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and the finisher. Father, we give you thanks and praise for all that you are doing at this time in with and through us as individuals, as families, as a, as the body, as the church, Father. And we just pray that you will continue to have your way that your will be done through us so that your kingdom can come on this earth. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning again. It's lovely to have you here with us um, for another week, another Saturday, uh, where we will continue to look uh, into the churches. Um, okay, so we've got something said. Uh, good morning. Zoom link said there is another meeting in progress. Mm, that's a very interesting Okay, there must be a bit of an issue here. But for those who are on Facebook, um, we will try to fix that as we, we go along. But uh, again, it's it's lovely to have you with us um, this morning. Um, just to recap uh, very briefly uh, what we um, want to do here this morning. Before we do that, we just want to let you know that we are um, we are available on, on Facebook. Uh, we also... We also have a Twitter account, which I never tweet, to be honest. I just only tweet the show on Saturday morning. Maybe I need to work on it a bit more, I think. What do you think? Mm. No. I'm I'm the wrong person to ask. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. That's fine. What about email? Are you good at emails? We got email. Are you good to trace the email, check the emails out? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's fine. Okay. I think the WhatsApp works, you know, people. Yeah, the WhatsApp, you know, I think for people us. love WhatsApp. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you want to um, really want to be part of the WhatsApp group, please uh, let us know. And um, we will try to add you in um, on on WhatsApp in, in that sense. But, uh, yeah, as I said, we are available in all the platform that you can even think of at the moment uh, and probably good news in that sense so why don't we start with the latest news as we always do um saturday morning <coughs> we want to look at what's going on in the news and um i'm gonna leave it to marcia to be able to try and to guide us through um this morning into those news so here we go this is what we've got today wait what's your pick on it i know what you're gonna pick the one in the middle Mm. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Yeah. Let's okay. flick through. So okay. we can see what see what's um what's going on. Yeah, here we go. So which one are you looking at? 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. start yeah. with the one in the middle. Yeah, it's not yeah, a yeah. big front page, in f- just right in front of you. Mm. You can't miss that one, can you? Andrew Brunson Br- Br- uh, and- say persecution for U.S. Christian would get worse. I'm just wondering what he mean by that. Mm, that's what I was about to yeah. ask. Let's find out. So he's a pastor, you know. He missionary. Said, oh, yeah, missionary pastor. So what does he say, love? Okay. He's saying it will be increase. Okay. Global prayer for U.S. election integrity. He was charged with being involved in leading a failed coup in Turkey in 2016, among other far-fetched claims. He said he felt a new urgency for the U.S. Okay. Yeah. The thing is, I think it's quite interesting that he's talking about, um, it's not just the election. It's not pretty with this election, but it's growing in me too last year. I think the thing is, there's a lot of lot of Christians in in America who've been saying for, you know, there's a lot of um, prophetic words that come from America mm-hmm. um, in terms of leadership and in terms of what's been taking place there. And I think a lot of people now know that um, there's been uh, a lot of um, cases that have been brought against um Joe Biden from Donald Trump um, and it says President Donald Trump has continued baseless allegations of election fraud to explain his defeat by President-elect Joe Bi- Joe Biden. Even his Attorney General William Barr said that the Justice Department has had not uncovered evidence of widespread voter fraud and has seen nothing that would change the outcome of the 2020 president ele- presidential elections. Um, but said so no matter what comes out of President Donald Trump's le- legal ch- challenges, Christians in America should prepare mm. for increased persecution. And I think the thing is, it's not, I think it's something to watch. I was saying that we were saying before that whatever tends to happen in America tends to kind of follow suit here um, to a certain degree. Mm. So I think it's it's interesting to try and and well, I think everyone's keeping an eye on what's going on in America anyway. Um, I think the whole world is watching that. So it's it's one of the things, you know, in terms of the the prophetic words that have come um, with regards to, you know, um, Donald Trump um, staying um, in an, and having another term. Mm-hmm. And also in terms of, you know, if that doesn't take place, um, we know from the stance of Joe Biden and his people, you know, that they do, they're not really, they're not into Christianity at all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's, you know, for them, it's it's about everyone um, and, you know, the LGBTQ agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely about all of that. And it's just, it's, it's you've, you've got opposing sides. And I think the thing is, when we look at America, Americans are very, um, in that sense, they're quite outspoken in terms of, of LGBTQ. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they're very outspoken in terms of, of um, professing their faith and what they stand for in terms of that. So they're bound to be persecuted if you have um, someone like you know, the people like Joe Biden and, you know, his team in power because they're, you know, Joe Biden's, um, you know, the the president and his team mm-hmm. um they've actually they they've they're very clear that they stand or joe biden and his team are very clear that they stand for the lgbtq mm-hmm. agenda and that the thing is if you're looking at all of these things you know in all then yeah persecution will increase <laughs> for for um american christians 
um, in, in terms of that um, and in terms of the things that they stand for. And I think I think people have said before that Donald Trump was a wedge in the door. It's like he was the one who was holding the door open mm. um, for a season in order for particular things that God wanted to happen, his will to be done. Um, also in terms of abortion, um, you know, we know the st- our stance on that as Christians. And, and the thing is, Joe Biden and his party are very much for, um, you know, liberalism, um, freedom for choice and all of these things. So in terms of abortion, they, they are for it. They're not against that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, so all the things that we stand for as Christians um, in terms of what God stands for, they stand against that. Mm-hmm. So this is why you will probably see the rise of persecution against Christians in terms of, and also you look at the way that churches are being restricted, um, being closed um, in, in, and they're not able to actually, and if you think about it, the, the churches that they have over there, they're mega churches, mm-hmm. you know, then they're, they're unable to actually meet and congregate together. And if, and some of them are when they have their own buildings, some people are moving from, from certain states to other states so they can practice Christianity. Um, because in particular states, they're saying, you know, you can't practice um, because of COVID. Um, but it's something that's been brought in. And now people are saying, well, we still want to practice our faith because the Bible says so. And we, we mustn't forsake the gathering of the saints. So mm-hmm. we're going to, I think it was Orange County or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. People have been going there. Um, so it's, it's you know, that you'll, you'll see more. So I, I can... You can see that these things will take place. People are, are saying there's a there's a reason for this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to get into all of that in terms of the persecution of America. Um, you know, and it's just and that's why I was saying we you know people are looking at America, but we can we need also to look at ourselves because the the very things that that have been taking place in that nation they've also been taking place here. Absolutely. You know, in terms of the LGBTQ agenda, in terms of abortion, mm-hmm. in terms of you know taking God out of of, of you know the school the, the schools the the, Bi- the Bible it, it's you know quite, it's, it's not actually it's, followed it's here. It's quite interesting you saying that because this year for the first time <clears throat> I was um I love the organization and the company. Obviously, they started at the beginning with Christmas by removing the C and put an X instead of just to yeah. devaluate. Yeah. But now, they don't call it Christmas anymore. They call it festive period. And even some of the messages that the CEO and leaders in many companies were sending out to, the, uh, to, their, uh, to their employees and to their clients as well, there was a message when we were recording on the green screen and um, the client was just asking, what shall I say? Shall I say Christmas? And we said, no, can you say festive period? So okay. they're beginning to remove, the, yeah. the, as you said, the, really the word God out Christ. of Jesus Christ, Christ out of the equation yeah. when it comes to Christmas. So, and you To find be more inclusive. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. It's mm. about inclusion. So you will find out that you will see less and less a program. You know, Christmas is packed of the Ten Commandments and, and the birth of, you know, the, the, the nativity stories and so on. But you got to beginning to see less and less. And we actually see this year less and less of those type of film and more centered toward a magic, towards mm. a fairy, toward mm. a center and toward all the aspect of it. And including inclusion in some of the character that you see now so you mm. see a lot of gay lesbian characters mm. including into the storyline to as you said to actually fit this inclusion so 
we are talking about persecution as it says here but we are seeing in the beginning of that type of persecution which the first stage i believe of persecution is to begin to remove mm. god's in a question in society before beginning to persecute um uh, persecute a christian in the sense that first of all uh beginning to um what's the words you um when you actually um put him in such a corner that they have no choice mm. other to uh, receive what the word is offering mm-hmm. or otherwise just basically be castrated you know be outcast mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to see so we've got phase of us we're taking gods out of the equation then they're going to make christian outcast and then eventually beginning to make christian criminals and then what's come on is persecution so we are now beginning to see the different stages of what probably this uh, pastors is is referring to is there anything else that you wanted to mention or anything else that you wanted to look um i mean we've got here for example and that's quite in the uk that was quite interesting um this this article here um shadow faith minister resigned over same-sex marriage comment now what she did um she was asking questions via a zoom link and about people about a faith and, and so on and how they can actually be this kind of freedom of speech and freedom of faith in essence and this is what she said she has to see step down because of a comment you know obviously she was calling in essence but it was in relation to same-sex marriage here and what was interesting we know that it is currently illegal for register to refuse conduct on a same-sex wedding now the question was asking is what about people of faith you know can it be do they have to be forced if they actually don't they don't agree in same sex marriage so they have to be forced in that sense to conduct though mm. um same sex marriage uh, weddings mm. and she said that they need to be something in place that protect people of faith as well as those who think the other way it is an issue of conscience it is like people having a choice who for reason of consciences cannot participate in conducting an abortion she said now obviously she got bombarded mm. she got bombarded by um the lgbt community and and this all aspect of inclusion so she have to step down but then he posed again the same question um as i said as you said earlier on the kind of forcing cornering you know christian more and more into some kind of uh elemental way when now we are saying this is how the world is moving you know you've got to accept it so yeah but then she said i'm proud to support same-sex marriages on yeah, saturday well, Labour she has celebrated to, she, 15 years of civil partnerships and all the progress of course she has she to. has to say she has yeah. to put this comment in i sincerely apologize for mi- my misjudged comments on friday and have designed to resign as shadow faith minister she has to but <clears throat> i think the element of really bringing the conscience and and basically insinuating that you know it depends on how people, the conscience of people, and uh, depend on their faith as well. But we're having a bit of a problem here, and and we've probably seen it, but it's becoming more and more where there is this uh, political correctness that we have to apply, and there is the element of faith. Now, people are talking about liberty of faith, liberty of speech, and liberty of freedom, you know. But at the moment, people of faith are beginning to be cornered. Mm-hmm. Because they can't really express themselves in any hour because when they begin to express themselves about their faith, they're penalized. They're penalized. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So this whole aspect of uh, and any and like I said, it's, it's very set 
subtle. Subtle, you know? yeah. It, it, it's going to take a few you, years. You say, you say that it's subtle, but it actually isn't anymore. I, I just don't yeah, think you're it's probably su- right. I don't think it's subtle anymore. I think before it used to be subtle, but now, as soon as you you kind of step out of line, you're told to get back into line, and you're penalised for it. Now you can see that obviously oh, she see, has. You see more and she more. has um, definitely an opinion on this, and mm-hmm. she has. The, the thing is, at the end of the day, she, you know, she has her own opinions on it, but she's not allowed mm-hmm. publicly to have her own opinions. And it's just mm-hmm. like the Christians of old where they used to have to hide to practice their faith. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Yeah. Do you remember in the times, you know, yes. when Christians used to have to hide to yeah. practice their faith? There were people, you know, I was, I was um, reading about um, Simon, who who he was the one who... I don't know who Simon, who who went to collect Jesus's body. What was his name? And he said he was a very prominent man mm. in society at that time. But what happened was he had to. He was he was going to Pilate and he was speaking because he wanted to collect Jesus's body. Mm-hmm. But he was very prominent. He was the one in whose tomb Jesus was buried. You know. But the thing is, at the time, he was prominent, but he was in hiding mm. because he had chosen to follow the follow Jesus. But he was in hiding because they knew he was a Christian. Mm. So he was in hiding. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, obviously, he chose, he was prominent, but he chose to follow Jesus. And because of that, he was in hiding, practicing his faith. But obviously, when Jesus was crucified, he came out and he actually then went to collect the body of Jesus. Because at that point, he was like, you know, my Lord is is past, you know, and he saw the crucifixion. He saw everything. He wanted to make sure that Jesus was buried. Mm. And I'm like looking and I'm thinking this was a prominent person. A person who knew was able to approach Pilate at that time, was able to go and have speak to him in person. So he was somebody of stature. So the thing is, if then people were being persecuted, you know, and there were people of stature, they had prominence. People such as this lady, you know, it's just like she's going to have to go now in her closet and, and practice her faith privately. And this is what, as you said, they're cornering us. We're going to have to do things privately. But when it comes to people being in positions of authority, being able to influence and impact, it's going to be interesting because you will, they will allow you to say so much, but you won't be able to say I, more than what I, they I want th- you to say. I think the interesting thing is, is and, and you know, obviously I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving here as we're talking about persecution. I think the interesting thing is to... What we are going to experience, we are going to experience two types of extreme. We're going to experience the extreme of the fact that we can't say or we can't speak. You know, we can't basically share our faith freely to people. Mm. And then we're going to see the other aspect. You're talking about prominence. There's many aspects of prominence in society. And I think that one of the people that actually, some of the, I would say some of the, I, I don't like use this word like celebrities and stuff like that but those those people they have millions and millions of followers and you're going to see some of them rising up and beginning to share the faith and beginning to share the gospel and many people will follow because unfortunately that's how it works but what we're seeing at the moment is while i'm talking about settle i'm not talking about settle in terms of people are persecuted i'm talking about the settle the way things are moving towards physical persecution mm. and that's what i'm referring to yeah. you know it is we we started with first going to be an emotional persecution then now it's becoming a little bit affecting affecting people's life affecting people's works mm. affecting people's pattern but what i'm seeing taking place is these stages 
you know and i'm sensing the stage is beginning and it's beginning to build up now and because the lgbt uh, movement is so strong now in many many countries and also because people are turning away from god so what you are seeing in now you are seeing in now this this little this 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 lgbt people that probably 10 15 years ago didn't have a say now they have more than a say because also you got to realize there are many of these groups lgbt people in position of prominence mm-hmm. you know you know especially when you talk to government mm-hmm. and education mm-hmm. and when you think about the legislation and this is how satan managed to infiltrate it by exactly putting people where they need to be put so they can actually influence society mm. through legislation through uh, media mm. through education mm-hmm. through politics mm-hmm. even finances as well mm-hmm. you know because obviously that that is it's a big thing so what he does he pushed us he pushed the movement higher and he now um alienate pretty much faith beginning with faith as a whole which many yeah. other religion yeah. but really satan's target the christians, the christians. Mm. so eventually what we will begin to see is what we see now we will begin to see this on a regular basis you will be going to work and people will be getting to target you because you're a christian mm. and even they will wait for the opportunity or they will trick you remember the story of daniel you know mm. with the king darius yes. Yeah. You know, they tricked King Darius mm. to, to to write a treaty mm. that basically condemned Daniel in that sense mm. because of his faith. And that's what we are going to see as we move towards more and more while we are actually looking into the birth bank of the end times. Mm. This is a very interesting. I think this is a topic that eventually we may be able to tackle. But I believe that even looking at the seven letters to churches, yeah, we are going to be tackling yeah, this are. as well. So that was the news um, for today in that sense. So I want to apologize again to our listeners. They've been having a bit of an issue uh, accessing the Zoom. The Zoom is working, but for some reason, it keeps saying that people is on another meeting. So we thank God for the technology. We thank God for YouTube and Facebook. So as you guys are listening, um, thank you for that. So now, as as we know, and we've been discussing it um, many times uh, in relation to um, end times, you know, we know that the world's not seeing the future from science perspective, and and we can see all this data coming every day. And you know, apparently there's a new movement of tier three that's coming up as well. So it's an interesting thing. We came out of the lockdown, you know, but most of the most of the country has been put on tier three, which is a pretty much <laughs> a not, another form of lockdown in in that sense, but a nicely worded, uh, pretty much. And um, but I. We got to see everything, everything from God's perspective. Um, this, this for me, this, this not to worry about it. We also got to be vigilant and we got to be sober because we need to know what Satan's doing, his plan, and his schisming. But most importantly, I think right now, as a people of God, with the season that we're in now, we need to be diligent. You know, when it comes to the Word of God, there's so many false doctrine out there. You know, mm-hmm. and it's very important for us to uh really be very uh sober when it comes to the the word of god and that just really goes on for us to look into our topic that we'll be looking uh so far so we've done ephesus myrna and we're going to be looking at pergamos so we got after that got four more to go but uh it is interesting that the more we're looking into the latest to the to, to the seven churches the more revelation we get, the more 
deep understanding we see how the world has been changed from the early days as well. So when we look at the seven uh, latest to the churches, one of the things that we mentioned over the last few weeks is in relation to the book of Revelation. You know, the word revelation means humbling the uncovering of something that's hidden in that sense and while we're talking about revelation we are talking about the revelation of jesus christ and that is a very um important that we need to understand so jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches um located in asia minor and which is modern day turkey in that sense now the late the letters were written to all the churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Tyre, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, what we've got to understand is that when the outline of those letters, and we spoke about it over the last week, so I don't want to really go back into this again and again, but just to give you on a nutshell, the outline of those letters are very, very important. Now, when we look uh, in the outline, what we need to understand, first of all, that at the beginning of every letter, there is a description of Jesus. Now, that description of Jesus is from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, when he described when John sees Jesus and begins to give him a description of who he is. And what Jesus is doing when he writes those letters, he uses an aspect of his description to begin with the church that is addressing uh, whatever he needs to address. Now, after the description, Jesus comes to tell the church what they are doing right, at the exception of the church of Laodicea, which is the church that will be looking last in that sense. And is then beginning to tell what is wrong about the churches, at the exception of two churches, the church that we looked last week, which is the church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. And he ended up now giving him a kind of motivation word, or an eternal motivation, led him to repent, to turn and just promise us a crown of life or basically salvation or eternity in that sense. So this is the actual outline. Uh, of the seven letters when we look at the book of revelation in itself we also saw that it's got a very simple outline um which is speak of the things that's taking the things that are taking place and the things that will take place in that sense so it's a very important to look in the book of revelation and understand how it is portrayed now the other thing that we mentioned as well is that when we read those later we can apply those later in four different level the first level that when we apply it there were actual churches in those days that by the time john wrote these letters to the churches they were actually letters uh, churches located in those area that are on the screen here the second thing these letters can apply to the church as the body of christ now the word ecclesia mean ecclesia mean church basically so it's just Basically, Jesus said what the church, what is a church worldwide should be doing and not be doing. And that is very important. Number three, it can apply, we can apply these letters from a personal perspective. You know, you and I represent the church. So as we look at the church of Ephesus and we look at the church of Smyrna and the other churches, we can actually 
look what Jesus said about the church and apply it into our personal life. And finally, those letters can be uh, applied uh, prophetically. Uh, is actually represent seven stages, successive stages of church history. So it is strange when you think about it. The word that John was written from Jesus was very, very prophetic because as we look at it, we look at the first period, which was the apostolic church and the church of Ephesus. And then last week, we look at the church of Smyrna, which is actually speaking of all the persecution, the 10 successive wave of persecution by 10 successive Caesar or emperor in that sense. And what we find out that those persecution will end up in AD around uh, ADF3 when Constantine Constantine uh, really basically um, declare the um, declare uh, Christianity uh, as the main religion in essence. So let's begin with our third church, which is the Church of Pergamos. But before that, let's remember the Church of Ephesus was called the Darling and Loved One, and it was. That was a church of activity that slipped into routine and they lost their passion for Christ. Then the church of Smyrna, we looked at it last week, which was the persecuted church or the suffering church. This is a church that suffered tremendous time of persecution. And we mentioned one of the persecuted people was Polycarp as well, mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. Um, so let's look now into the church of Pergamos. Um, in that sense now the book of revelation 2 12 17 says this and i don't know marcia if you would like to uh possibly read that scripture for us of course he says unto the angel of the church in pergamos write these things say he who has the sharp two-edged sword i know your works and where you dwell where satan's throne is where you dwell where satan's throne is and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Amen. Amen. That's wonderful. We're going to look into some of the aspects of it. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully we may be able to finish and combine it with the next church next week. So looking at the scripture, the first thing that we we, 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 we understand is just the outline here. It's interesting the description that he started with. He who has the sharp two-edged sword. Yeah. So Jesus referred to the angel which angel here is mean the pastor of the church in Pergamos and he says me this thing say he who has the sharp two edge sword 
Why did he use that? Why he start with this? Why he start with this? It's very simple. What is a, what do you use a double-edged sword? What, what do we use the sword? For? You know, when 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 well, that scripture is yeah, sword. it was about the word of God. It's the word of God. Mm-hmm. So what was happening? They were losing their respect for the word of God. So, and this is what I said: Jesus always going to use a description of himself to address the church from a particular issue, a problem here, and the problem that this church was having was the fact that they were losing the word, their respect for the word of God. They were losing their how for the word of God. They were losing their, their admiration for the word of God. And, you know, they were looking at the word of God like it was just a normal word. There was no respect. There was no admiration. There was no desire to seek that word of God anymore. And when you think about the history of it, we went from a church who lost their first love in, in Ephesus. Then from there, we moved to a church that was persecuted for hundreds of years, you know. And then suddenly we move to another church, which is actually now beginning to lose its flavor. And and that's what was happening. He says this, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast my, to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwell. Twice he repeats Satan. And he goes to say, but I have a few things against you. So it was in here, what he's saying is that where they were, is where they were located mm-hmm. is where Satan's throne That's right. And, and I will, will go into this in a, in a minute. Now, what we find out is that when we lose um, our respect, um, or when we lose our admiration for the word of God. When we be, when reverence. we stop doing this, yeah, more reverence for the word of God. Mm. What is happening? We begin to compromise, and that's what's what's happening with this church, because they were losing the 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 hour for the word of God. They were losing their respect, their admiration, their reverence for the word of God. Mm. Then they begin to compromise. They begin to become they, they begin to become carnal. We know that when we stop praying, what's happening mm. with us? And studying the word. And even. study the word even. Yeah. Praying, study yeah. the word, worshiping. The entrance we, of the word brings abs- light, doesn't it? Absolutely. A lamp to the feet, a Absol- light to our path. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, and this is why when I mentioned it is so important for us when we look in those letters to take heed of what Jesus is saying to the churches because it's not only speaking to the churches in those times. It's speaking to the church mm. as a whole. It's speaking to us as mm. individuals. And it's also speaking to the church age in that sense. Is it not wonderful? Yeah. A letter able to transcend every description, every speaking to everyone Amazing. in that sense. It doesn't matter. That's, that letter was written in AD, AD 90 and we're in 2021 and that still speak to us. 2020. Yeah, nearly 21. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> and it's still speaking to the us. The mind of the prophet always looking ahead. You know? <laughs> And that is incredible. So this is what was happening. So Jesus said to the church, said to the pastor of the church in Pergamos, listen, I have a sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God. But it's not only say, I have the word of God. I am the word. Yeah. You know, if you look at the book of John, in the mm. beginning was What's the, the word. word. So the he, word was God. That's right. God, yeah. Absolutely. So he's... He, speak to the angel of the church of Pergamos, he's not saying, 
I have the two-edged sword. He doesn't say, Aha, he said, I have the word of God because I am the word. Mm-hmm. I am the word. And when you think of the sword, the sword always speaks of two things. It speaks of control and it speaks of judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that we need to understand. So Jesus was saying to the church in Pergamos that he was going to heal, to wield the sword of his word, which is the eternal word. And that's what we've got to remember. Now, we know the sword in Hebrews is like a tactical sword here, you know, which says a double-edged sword. It goes straight to the heart. So it's very tactical, very precise when mm. you go. But the sword that Jesus is using for Pergamos is a heavy sweeping sword. So that's why he's speaking of control and speaking of judgment. If you don't change it, I will come to judge you with my word. And it's interesting because it reminds me a lot of the time when Jesus will come, will come return. Yeah. You know, at the Battle of Armageddon, when Jesus comes back with the saints, he will destroy the whole thing. He will stop the whole thing. But people believe that he's going to use weapon. No, he's going to use his word. He will speak the word and everything will cease. And then the millennium kingdom will start. And that's the thing about Jesus. It's the word. And the problem that church has, they were losing their reverence for the word of God. Now, the interesting thing, and, and this is why I'm, it's, it's, for me, it's just still mind-blowing for, for me. The word Pergamus made mixed marriage or objectionable marriage. Mm. So basically, compromise, mix. And this is a time when the church is beginning to mix with the world. Wow. So this is a very important. Now, what we need to understand is that Pergamus, um, in those times, where a wonder, it it was a wonderful city. It was actually the most influential city in Asia, and it was a political city. Today, what is left, pretty uh, Pergamus, which is in modern day Turkey, it just ruins. But when John wrote this letter to the church. It was one of the most influential cities in the Roman Empire. And the interesting thing, when we look into this city, it was very different because of its political status in that sense. And the people of Pergamum, or Pergamus, they were inventors and they were innovators as well. So they, basically what they did, they... Um, perfected what they call um, a parchment made of calf skin and also they built the first psychiatric hospital very 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 interesting so those are some of the facts as well now the city of Pergamus also had uh, a theater that could sit about 10,000 people a night and it is said that the acoustic of the um, the acoustic of the theater was so good that a whisper on stage could be heard all the way to the top. Wow. Now, I don't know if they made this, 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 this theater and what kind of technology they use it, but they were inventing and they were innovators. So this is something that, just to give you a bit of an um, understanding of the kind of city it was, it was also well known for the art um, in that sense. 
and uh, it had um, library. Its lab library were the second largest in the ancient world, and it is also said that this library was so great that the general, the Roman general Mark Antony, presented it as a wedding gift to Cleopatra. So, it was a very, very thriving city. On one side, it was a very beautiful city. But on the other side, it was one of the darkest, harassed city in the whole Roman Empire. And some of the things that I discovered are mind-blowing. Now, it is known that the people of Pergamon was also known as Temple Keeper of Asia. And the city has exactly three temples dedicated Number one, to the Roman Empire and to the goddess of Athena and also to Zeus. And there was a great altar that also, as you can see here, some of the pictures, there was also a great altar, which is a throne of Zeus, which is actually... Is that in Belgium or somewhere? Ber Berlin. 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 Yeah, yeah. It was, I'm just telling you now ahead of time, this mm. temple, this, this, um, this, um, this altar which is a throne of mm. this, which many believe in the book of Revelation, in, 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 the, in the church, when, when, the, when Jesus was writing this letter to the church, that his throne of this, he was referring this as a throne of Satan. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, for history purposes, this throne was relocated in mm. Berlin in 1930s and it inspired Hitler to wage the Second World War very interesting mm. now a little fact about um adolf hitler he was dipping really dipping into the occult yeah. big time big big time and uh he was so in um deep into it that he has a, a private basically department that was dedicated to collect ornament artifact all over the world in that sense because he believed that there was a power that he could harness obviously for his for war and so on but it is a very interesting that this halter reside in berlin mm. in that sense and in 1930s that was the inspiration that pushed germany to go to war and to really uh get into the second world war very interesting the other thing that we need to understand about it is this is also at um what we call a healing center now you're gonna love that one depends on what's behind <laughs> i it. don't think that one exactly. you will like it at all already no. with the snake on the thing uh -huh. I know that i'm not gonna like that one so <laughs> the city yeah. at the healing center now, as you can see here in this in this map of it and the city was built in honor of asclepius which was the greek serpent soldier so as you look here you can see the temple of asclepius here and other treatment the healing center here and people it's, it's i mean it's a mind-blowing um what will used to take place um in that treatment in a healing center here mm -hmm. but just to give you a bit of a, a nutshell this um city was this healing center was uh, basically a cross between a hospital and a spa, healthy spa. But the kind of spa that I definitely would not want to go mm. in. Is this the honest. one with the snakes on the That's ground? That's the one and with the snake yeah, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. just to give you a bit of a 
nightmare. So these people, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not nice. People would just go and they would get everything from a mud bath to a major surgery. So this is where the place that people used to go as well. And even the emperors were coming all the way from Rome to be treated in that in that place as well. But that was interesting. If it was somebody that was diagnosed with um terminal illness you know the kind of thing that you know that you're going to die from you were not allowed into this hospital healing center healthy spa whatever you call it you were not allowed in that's very interesting you know the priest um as asclepius priest they didn't want hearing somebody dying in the hospital so they were very careful about their reputation and then it's interesting there was a a, a a huge sign at the top we used to say death is not permitted here so the only way you would get into the hospital you would get treated as if you knew that you were going to live very interesting now hospital you're supposed to treat everyone in that sense but that particular hospital decided that they only were treating people that they knew that they were going to survive so they can actually uh you know keep their reputation now the other thing i'll mention as well is people will literally enter through a tunnel um to get into uh this um this place and they will drink some kind of sedative and then we spent the night in a dormitories and uh, what will happen basically and while they spend the night over there there will be snakes crawling all over them all night now let us remember this is a place that they don't want people to die so this snake that were crawling all over were no poisonous at all but there will be snake crawling can you imagine you're in a hospital you got snakes crawling on the floor and that's what would happen the snakes crawling on the floor they would crawl around there and they basically they were told that the serpent god Asclepius mm-hmm. would speak to them in their dream and give them a diagnosis which is incredible when you think about it but that's the kind of city that was in, in Pergamos what well, people believe that the snake carried the healing power of this serpent god and if a snake slithered across you while you were sleeping at night that was a divine sign that healing power was coming to you. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's What's your take? <laughs> I, the thing is, when I see snakes, because if you actually look at the um, medical boards and things like that, you know, you'll see the these snakes mm. all over their their logos yeah. and everything. Absolutely. And I think we, we have to be um, very aware who is behind. Oh, and there we go. That's <laughs> it. So that is the yeah. basically yeah. the medical symbol that's mm. used, and it is medical symbol take its origin and yeah. its uh, doctrine from the um, Aclispios, which is mm. what we call it, the serpent god. Now, interestingly, is the next morning, the patient would tell the dreams to the priest, who would then prescribe their treatment, and then at the end the patient will made clay sculpture of the body part that needed healing and they will offer me to the serpent god and it's very and, and this is what i said la, la, was it the, the the first last week we looked into the church of smyrna and the week before we looked into the church of ephesus and we saw the nike logo which is mm-hmm. actually dairy and what we try to see is understand that 
everything that we know about, everything that we are accustomed to, everything which is part of our daily life, our daily routine, has an interesting history behind. Yeah. A root behind that's it. That's right, the root. And that is mm. why it shows how big Satan has infiltrated the whole world. And this is why he was able to tempt Jesus when Jesus went to fast for 40 days and said, bah, before me and I give you the whole world. Mm, because he was to able... That's absolutely... So when you look at this, and, and it's quite interesting that nobody really questioned this medical symbol with a snake. I have. Tell <laughs> us about it. The thing is, when you look at all of these things, it, you know, um, it's not just new age. It, this is something which has been here. As you said, it's it's all the the foundations of of where where we what everything that we look at around society have always been one for symbols mm-hmm. um someone's kind of started highlighting things to me probably about 20 years ago about the symbols that are around us um symbols on money symbols in you know i used to work in the city so if you go in the city you've got dragons everywhere um just symbols of you know in different but it's just like especially symbols in places of power mm-hmm. so in courtrooms in um you know in places medical establishments you know you you actually look around when you actually look around in these places where um laws are made and you know there's a lot of things going on in terms of the foundations of society if you look at the symbols that represent those bodies you will find there is always a history behind them. There's always a history behind them. And as you said, you look at the history and we know tend to know where that actually stems from, the root of it. So I have very much so. So when I actually look at something, I always look at, okay, look at the symbol. What, Where does that come from? So I've always looked into symbols. Mm. Um, so, and especially coming from the health perspective, um, when I actually saw the snake, I was like, what is that about? So I started looking into it because for me, when you actually, as a Christian, when you see a, when you see a snake somewhere, it's not really a good good sign. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what what is this all about? So that's when I started looking into all of this. It's very interesting because <clears throat> as Jesus writes those letters um, to the churches, it's now revealing every aspect of society, which is incredible when you think about it. Mm. And for me, the simple fact that medical is supposed to heal, you know, it's supposed to heart of the, it's supposed to heal, make people feel, get better, physically better, and as well and emotionally better. But have a snake around this okay. tribe, which is really a representation. And of that's the Ash, Ashraf pole, you yeah. know, the Ashraf pole that used to actually, they used to bow and worship to these things. Mm-hmm. So you've got to look at what the pole represents as well as the snake. Absolutely. So. This is tell us about the astral pole then. They used to they these things were like totem poles that they you actually they would worship you know um, when they're worshiping different idols different gods they would actually use these um, these astral poles um, and it's it's to do with with satanic rituals mm-hmm. and idols. So when you actually look into all of that, you will see that it's again it's about idol worship. It's about bowing down to other gods. So the pole itself and then having the snake all wrapped around it. It's mm-hmm. it's quite powerful. <laughs> very interesting you know. so that's what we are talking about when we're talking about Pergamos and I know we're not going to have the time to look into Balak and Balak but we'll look into it next week but the interesting thing when we look into this and there's a guy <laughs> and he's an interesting guy and this is what I said 
for every enemy tactic god has planned mm. for every um everything that the enemy is doing god's always got a counteract action towards it and his counteract is in the man of, name of antipas now this is interesting these guys was living in you know it was pergamos he was the, one of the pastors in pergamos here and uh what what happened is and this is what jesus mentioned him in the book of revelation about his faithful martyr and and this story is is very interesting what happened is as you know you know about this healing centers and the demons and the snakes mm-hmm. and so on and antipas was filled with the holy spirit and he would cast out demons out of people all the time and obviously the priests are beginning to complain <laughs> they're beginning to complain because they there was no people coming to the healing center because they were all going to antipas to mm-hmm. get you know antipas would perform you know casting out demons so they complained and they went to the emperor and they asked him if you got to do something about it because this is just not working so what happened they said that because antipas were driving the spirit out of the city and obviously hindering the worship of the god because no people were coming mm. to this to this place you know so they went to the roman government and they asked him to do something about it so the government what he did he ordered antipas to offer a sacrifice of wine and incense to a statue of the roman emperor and declare that the emperor was lord of god and obviously he refused so and he said that if you refuse the divinity of the emperor is basically for them is to refuse the city of rome and the rule that was applied is where people were rejected the city of rome they were executed mm-hmm. basically so he was sentenced to death to death in the altar of zeus and you know as we know we talked about uh, about this altar but is this is is um his execution was it was horrible so this is what they would do they will take him they will place him inside um an altar with a bronze bull that was what they created a bronze bull that was designed for human sacrifice so they will place him inside the bull they will tie him in a such a way that his head will go all the way to the head of the bull so it will be inside the bull all the way and then what they will do they will light up a fire under the bull and the fire will eat the bronze and the bronze inside and it will slowly begin to roast the person inside to death that's what they used to do and they used to do the azuman sacrifice in the front of this which god specifically said that was believed that was a throne of satan so they were offering human sacrifice using a a, a, a bronze bull uh, in essence and that is the thing and the bull also stand at a symbol of stubbornness ferocity tyranny and brutality and also is a symbol of wealth and abundance so they were offering human sacrifice for wealth and abundance so what was happening as the victim begin to moan and cry in pain the cry will echo through the 
type of the head of the bull. It almost makes seem that the bull was alive in that sense. It's horrible. And in the midst of the flame and in the midst of Antipas dying inside the bull, he was praying. Through that time, he was continually praying until he died. And the day he died was the year AD 92. And that was the story of Antipas. It is horrible when you think about it. You know, it is. And when you think that the Germans at the time took the altar, took it to Berlin, and they call it the throne of Satan, and they display it in a museum in 1930. And that was the time that the Second World War went. You, you got to think whether they actually also offer human sacrifice mm. to prepare for the Second mm. World War. Mm. Because as I said, Hitler was deep into the occult. And he knew what his throne was representing. So that is interesting when you think about it. And we haven't even touched um, into um, what we are going to look into, the, the doctrine of Balaam. But we spoke about the Nicolaitan um, last week and what Jesus said about the Church of Pergamos. We want to finish this. But uh, what we see is that Satan trying to kill the church and the church of Smyrna and inspire the emperors, he inspired all the kings to persecute the church. And because he could not kill the church, he decided to infiltrate the church. And what we're seeing with the church of Pergamos, and I was concluding next week, is a church which, as Jesus said, left the world because of the place that they were living. They were living in a place that was full of demon between a serpent god on one side and you got the throne of dust on the other side and i'm not even speaking about the other god that was entertaining the mm. city so eventually this church lost their reverence for the word of god and they begin to compromise next week we will look into more detail when jesus speak about doctrine of Balak and Balaam yeah, as well yeah. in that sense mm. because we've got to understand this doctrine mm. to understand why Jesus was so much against yeah. that God was he, so much again really in the first this. in the first yeah. testament he speaks so much mm. against this doctrine mm. and there's so many mm. stories about it yeah. so next week we'll we go deeper into Pergamos mm. and looking into those doctrine before concluding um, into this wonderful thank you so much Father, we just thank you so much for your word because truly the entrance of your word brings light and is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Mm. Father, we pray that as we hear your word, that we will not just be hearers of your word, but will be doers also. And that the word that we are receiving, Father, it will fall on good ground and it will bear forth fruit, Father, in abundance so we can advance your kingdom, Father. Use us, Lord. Mm. As we get more revelation, more understanding, more wisdom in terms of those who have gone before us, mm. Father. And as you are preparing our hearts, preparing us, Father, for such a time as this and for the times to come. Father, we pray 
that you will have your way in each and every single one of our hearts, that your word, Father, will truly be written on our hearts. It will be burning, Father, in our hearts, Father, and Father, that we will not move from your word, that we will be steadfast, we'll be immovable, unshakable, Father. Really, Father, we will be those people, Father, who know your word and that your word, Father, will be the thing that leads and guides us and is truly a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for everyone who's listening. Father, we pray for every single one of us that we will truly, Father, we will truly, Father, be followers, true followers of your word. That your word, Father, we will we will have a desire, Father, to actually seek after you, to study, to show ourselves, then be diligent, Father, and show ourselves approved to you, Father. Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So thank you again, guys, for joining us this morning. And again, if you want um, no more information, you know, you can follow us on Facebook. we got a Twitter account and we're also available on email. And if you want to be part of a WhatsApp group, um, Revelation Hour WhatsApp group, please feel free to send us your detail. Um, just send us an email, info at revelationhour.co dot uk okay i think we're done now you're very sobering what's going on here? Mm, yeah it's, it's very important to understand this to, to stretch it or slaters mm. i think for me every time i'm studying every time i look into this in more, more detail revelation. i get more revelation yeah. And, and see our world how it is. And we definitely need God. We need, we need Jesus. We need Holy Spirit. We need, we need to continue to pray. And it's important. But guys, thank you again for watching. we see you next week. Same place, same time. Ciao. Bye-bye.